0: Today, in light of everything that's happening in Israel around the world, we're pausing for just a moment from our series, On Mission, and we're going to go to God's Word to look at what God's Word tells us about the time that we live in. I want to remind us that whenever troubling times come, we don't look to politicians, we don't look to social media, we don't look to news, we don't look to Google, we look to God. We look to God's Word And we look to see what he has to say. And I want to share with you, church, that God has already shared with us about the day and time that we are living in. And so I want to invite you to open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. In fact, I also want to invite you to open up your Westover app because I put some notes together so that you can follow along. In fact, if you'll permit me, I'm going to share a little more of God's word today with us to help us understand the day and the time that we are in. I've also included some additional scripture references there for you to do some additional study and go a little deeper and understanding the day and time that we're in. In fact, I've titled today's message, What Time Is It? What time is it? What time is it? In England, in the king's palace, there are 1500 clocks and there's one man responsible For knowing the time and setting the time. And everyone in the king's palace relies on the time setter to know the time and to set the time. The same is true in heaven. In the kingdom of God, there is one who knows the time and sets the time. In fact, Jesus tells us that it's God the Father. In fact, what he tells us in Matthew 24, verse 36, he says this when he was asked about the end of days. No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. I share this with you because we live in a time where people seem to know somehow when, when the end of days will come. I want to reassure you that on the authority of Scripture, only God the Father knows. And so God is responsible for setting the time, and we are responsible for preparing for his return. And so I want to invite you to just prepare your heart for what God wants to speak to us. Today, we're going to look at God's prophetic time clock. In fact, God's prophetic time clock started with the formation of the nation of Israel. Isaiah 66 verse 8 prophesied that the nation of Israel would be born in a day. This is what it says. Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? In fact, it did happen. Because Israel declared its independence on May 14, 1948. And recent global events have been the tick, tick, tick in God's prophetic time clock. All we have to do is look at the start of the 21st century. In 2001, we had 9-11. Then in 2008, we had the global recession. In 2020, we had COVID-19. And there are still things that are happening that are leading up to the end of days, but the end of days have not come yet. In fact, when we look at the geopolitical situation that's happening, we're seeing alignments and and we're seeing uh, coalitions and people and nations coming together. In fact, we've seen in the last five years the emergence of three world powers. China, Russia, and militant Islamic groups that are aligned with Iran. These three are prophesied in Revelation 16:13, which speaks of the dragon, the beast and the false prophet. The dragon refers to China. And if we look at China, what is happening is China has become an economic superpower, and now they're exerting influence, both in their country and around the world. The, the beast refers to the bear, Russia. And we see Russia beginning to make movements to try to recreate the Soviet Union so that it has military strength. And then the false prophet refers to militant Islamic regimes like Hamas and ISIS that are committed, that are dedicated to the destruction of the Jewish people and to Israel. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, this isn't the time to be afraid, this isn't the time to be fearful, Because I'm here to reassure you on the authority of scripture that Jesus is still on the throne and he will not be removed. Our faith and our confidence is in him. We don't have to be afraid of what's happening around us because God's word tells us exactly what is going to happen. In just a moment, I'm going to share with you four prophetic signs of the times. But before I do, I want to share with you just a a, a, a basic understanding of prophecy and a brief overview of what we as, West, as Westover and the assemblies of God, what we believe about the end of days. First of all, we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And what rapture means is to be caught up with Christ. In fact, 1 Thessalonians four sixteen and 17 tells us that all believers will be caught up with Jesus. And then in Revelation 3, verse 10 Jesus promises that he will keep us from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world. Once the rapture happens, once Jesus comes back to rescue us, the next event will happen, which is a seven-year tribulation. And the seven-year tribulation is spoken of in the book of Revelation between chapter 6 and chapter 19, when we will see the creation of a new world order We'll see a unified world economy. We'll see the rise of a man by the name of the Antichrist. And he will implement a cashless one world economy called the mark of the beast. And just to be clear, we believe that God is gonna rescue us before the tribulation. But we also believe that God is going to redeem Israel through the tribulation. He will show up and he will save her every time the enemy comes against her. With that in mind, let me share with you Four signs of the times that are paving the way for the Antichrist to assume world domination. Number one, deception. Deception is a device of the enemy. Ever since since Genesis chapter 3, the enemy has sought sought to deceive humanity. He is always seeking to twist and distort what God has spoken. In fact, when we look to God's word, what we see in Matthew Chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, and then verse 11. This is what Jesus said. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Let me share this with you. Just because someone has the title of pastor doesn't mean that they are speaking for God. The only way that we can know that they have spiritual authority is if they're preaching the full gospel of Jesus Christ from God's word. So don't believe every person... That you hear who says they are a pastor or a spiritual leader. Do what God's word says. Test them according to God's word. We as a church, we're going to preach the full gospel of the word of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the truth that sets us free. And we need to know God's word. And he's going to help us move forward. He's going to help us uh, uh, wash away the deception of the enemy. Practically speaking, in the U.S., there are movements in pol- political circles where laws are being passed and people are being deceived. They're being deceived that these laws are actually creating a more just world. In fact, what's happening is our, right- our rights are being stripped away. Practically speaking, there's an attack. There's an attack on traditional marriage. The conversation in the narrative is this, is that it's not a moral issue, it's a civil rights issue. We also have the Equal Opportunity Act that is seeking to erase gender classification. Spiritually, the enemy is trying to deceive people in order to destroy them. He also wants to destroy everything that God has created. But here's the truth about God. Here are two truths to understand about him. First of all, God is a God of love and truth. God loves people. He expressed it by dying on the cross to pay for our sin but he also loved us enough to tell us the truth through his word. In the same way as a church, we love people. We love people, but truly we love God more. We love God and his word more. In matters of culture, in matters of of social agenda, our personal opinion doesn't matter. All that matters is God's word. And as a pastor, I have a responsibility to preach what God's word says and not share my own opinion because God has already spoken. And so we have a responsibility to hold fast to that. But even as a church, we are not only gonna love people, but we're gonna share the truth in love because the truth sets people free. I also wanna share with you, practically speaking, that in Matthew 19, verses four and five, Jesus affirmed biblical marriage as being between one biological male That's someone who's chromosomally XY, and one biological female, which is someone who's chromosomally XX. He also clarifies his position on biblical sexuality and gender. If you look at the passage, which you'll discover, I want to share this with you. Jesus was speaking in this passage. He says this, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. He's affirming gender in that moment from a biblical perspective. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. He's affirming biblical marriage, and the two will become one flesh. In that moment, he's affirming biblical sexuality. He's saying, this is the the union that I will bless and that I have ordained. Anything outside of this, God cannot bless. This is what he designed. This is his biblical sexual ethic. This is where God speaks clearly about it. Secondly, God is not a God of confusion. We live in a world where there's gender dysphoria and transgenderism. I want to share with you from my heart and from God's word is that this is an attempt of the enemy to offer people a born-again experience that doesn't come from God or it doesn't acknowledge Jesus. You see, in John chapter 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. He says, the first birth is of the flesh and the second birth is of the spirit. In the hearts of all men and women, there's a desire for a spiritual rebirth. And the rebirth that God offers to us is when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we adopt his identity and we are spiritually reborn with the help of the Holy Spirit. The enemy, on the other hand, he offers a rebirth that doesn't include God. In fact... It's in that moment when he sends his, his, his demons to work in the lives of people. You see, the devil will always steal, kill, and destroy. It doesn't matter what he promises, how good it seems, he always intends to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life, an abundant life. And so this is the framework we're gonna step into. This is what we're gonna hold fast to. We're not gonna be deceived. Here's the second sign of the times. Divisiveness. Divisiveness. Verses 6 and 7 of Matthew 24 says this. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Haven't you heard of that? But see to it that you are not alarmed. We don't have to be afraid. Jesus told us we're living in Matthew 24 right now. Here's the good news. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, kingdom is a place that someone has dominion and authority over. And in the US, there are two kingdoms. They're called political parties. We have the Democrat kingdom and we have the Republican kingdom and these kingdoms are always at war. That's why we can't get anything done in Congress. But more importantly, it's important for us to understand that the kingdom of God is at war with the kingdom of the enemy. In fact, this is the reason why the enemy is so intent on the church and believers to adopt a political or social agenda. Why? Because in the process of adopting as a primary identity a political or social identity or agenda, what happens is we move from operating out of the kingdom of God to operating out of the kingdoms of man. And the enemy, he's willing to offer to pastors and to churches and to believers political and social influence. In fact, this was, the final, this was the final temptation that was offered to Jesus in Matthew chapter four. Satan tempted Jesus and said, if you're willing to bow to me, I will give you the kingdoms of the world. In that moment, what Satan was doing was saying, be willing to give up the kingdom of God and I will give you the kingdoms of men. And Jesus said, no, 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 that's not how the things go. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do what I've ordained I'm gonna do And guess what? Not only is he in control of the kingdom of God, but he's also in control of the kingdoms of man. Jesus is in charge of everything. I also want to share with you the reason why Satan operates in this way is because he has authority over the kingdoms of man to divide the kingdoms of men. In fact, Jesus was one time accused of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. But Jesus said this, He said in Matthew 12, 25, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. He goes on to say that I have authority over everything. This is the reason why the enemy's operating. He's seeking to get himself into the church. And I'm here to share with you that this church and this platform is not for sale. It belongs to the king and to the kingdom. And we will use this platform to declare only the king and the kingdom and his word. I want to share with you what I believe is that a divided world needs a unified church. And the only way that we can be unified is not under me, but under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And in that, there is spiritual authority. If we're aligned with Jesus, we have spiritual authority, but whenever we go to different agendas, our spiritual authority evaporates. I'll put it to you this way, our allegiance is to the lion who is also the lamb, not an elephant or a donkey. Our allegiance belongs to Jesus. Here's the third sign of the times, devastation. Devastation, verses seven and eight says this, nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. There's four types of devastation we see in the world around us. Economic, human health, famine, and natural disasters. And natural disasters are birth pains in the physical that are a reflection of the birth pains that are happening in the supernatural. If you'll permit me, let me share the first three forms of devastation. The first one is this, economic devastation. When COVID hit, our economy crashed. And since then, our financial markets have been up and down and up and down and up and down. I want to share to you from the perspective of biblical prophecy, the reason why our markets are up and down is because demolishing the economic system is the purpose of the enemy because it creates chaos and fear. And whenever we have our faith and confidence in the financial market and not in Jesus, we're going to be afraid. But we need to know that Jesus is Jehovah Jireh. He's the one who provides. And it doesn't matter what happens in the financial market. Under the authority of Scripture, if we store up our treasures in heaven, the enemy cannot rob from us. He can't steal from us. Again, this sets up the opportunity for the Antichrist to be the savior of the financial market and institute his one-world cashless economy called the Mark of the Beast. Here's the second form of devastation, human health devastation. Just like Matthew 24 says that there will be famine in the land and, and pestilence. Also, Luke 21, 11 tells us that there will be famine and pestilences in various places. As we've seen through COVID-19 and other epidemics and pandemics they're happening with increasing frequency. And the word of God tells us that, this, that these will continue to happen. But we don't have to be afraid because God is the one who gives us health and gives us strength. Here's the third form of devastation that we see in the world around us. It's the devastation of famine and food insecurity. And here it is. 10% of the world goes to bed hungry every night. Over 800 million people go to bed hungry every night. And 75% of them, 600 million people, are living in extreme poverty. And poverty is a device of the enemy. It destroys people's dignity, and it creates shame, and it puts people in a position to compromise their life and their health just to earn a little bit of money to buy food. Parents are faced with this tension. Which kid do I feed? And so what what do they do? They feed both kids and they go hungry. But often they end up in places doing things to earn a little bit of money just to provide for their family. Fortunately, in this dark day, we can do something about it. There's a lot of things that are not in our control, but we can do something about it. In fact, in this dark day, God's inviting us to shine the light of hope into people's lives. This is the reason why we're partnering with Convoy of Hope and their One Day to Feed the World initiative. The idea is simple. We work one day and give one day's wage to change the life of a child every day. What this works out to is being willing to work two minutes a day for every day that you work this year and being willing to give those two minutes to feed a child. And I'm inviting us to prayerfully consider what God would have us do to end the devastation of famine that is in our world. I also want to say to you, Westover, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Because of your generosity, last year, this year we're feeding over 1,700 children. Thank you. Thank you. But we're not stopping there. In fact, our goal for 2024 is to feed 2,000 children. I want to share with you, this is the economics of it. For what it costs to go to the movies as a family, $120, Convoy of Hope can feed a child for one year. And for what it costs to throw a birthday party for your child, $240, Now I know some of you spend more than that, Convoy of Hope can feed two children. I invite you parents to prayerfully consider what you could give. Maybe, maybe you could give for the number of kids that you have to bless another family. In fact, everything that we receive in Kingdom Builders this month is going to go to this project to feed kids. And so we're inviting you, if you feel tugged in your heart today, to give today. But if you need some time to to prayerfully consider what God would have you do, I want to share with you that the final weekend of this month, October 28th and 29th, is our big give weekend. Let's see what God can do through us in the lives of children around the world. Here's the fourth Sign of the times. Decrease of spiritual passion. Verse 12 of Matthew 24 says this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We see this now. People who study the church say that people who used to attend church no longer attend church. It's about 30%. The church has a spiritual dropout problem. In fact, the largest quickest fastest growing religious affiliation in the world is people called the nuns not not the ones who wear something on their head the n-o-n-e-s the people who have no religious affiliation but here's the good news god always reserves a remnant for himself in fact when it comes to gen z Not not the people who are sitting here, but Gen Z, by and large, they're the most unchurched generation, but they're the most spiritually curious, and this is good news. I think this is the reason why God says in Acts chapter 2 that in the last days he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, and that revival will start with the next generation with our sons and our daughters. I want to say to Gen Z, the time is now. You're not the next generation, you're the now generation. God needs you now. He's calling out to you. He's saying, be strong and courageous. Be willing to follow me. Be willing to step into everything I invite you to do. If you have a calling in the ministry, step into it now. If you have the desire to pray for healing for one of your classmates, do it. If God speaks to you to share Jesus Christ with someone else, do it. We as a church and I as a pastor, I'm here to champion the move of God in your life. And we're here to cheer you on. We're here to support you. We're here to say the time is now. The enemy wants you to be spiritually passive. But God says it's time to get activated. It's time to... To step in it's time to become the generation that says as for me and my life and my friends and for my family even if my parents aren't saved we will serve the lord we will serve the lord and so today as i close i want to share with us two action steps that we can take in this time of trouble the first one is this repent 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 Why? Because repentance brings deliverance. Every time someone turns to God, there's deliverance. We see this with Noah. Noah and his family were willing to turn to God and they were delivered from the flood. We see this with the nation of Israel when they were in slavery in Egypt. They turned to God and they were delivered from the Pharaoh. We see this in the story of Lot. He was in Sodom and Gomorrah, but he was willing to turn to God and he was saved. And now, through Jesus Christ, he offers us freedom and hope and deliverance through his death. He gives us the forgiveness of sin and he promises to us eternal life. Here's the second step we need to take in this time it's to stand firm and to trust God. Verse 13 of Matthew 24 says this But the one who does what? Stands firm. To the end, we'll be saved. We as a church, we need to stand firm. We need to believe God at his word. And we need to step in with great anticipation about what God will do. In fact, this week I found out that my daughter, she has an upcoming date. She has a date with my father-in-law. They're actually going to go out and they're going to have dinner. They're going to have dinner and it's going to be dessert. So they're gonna go to one place and have dessert, and then they're gonna go to another place and have dessert again. And my daughter's excited. She's excited about this moment. She has it on her calendar. She's counting down the days. She has great anticipation. In the same way, spiritually, we don't have to be afraid. We need to have great anticipation for the soon return of Jesus Christ. We need to stand firm and trust God because God promises that he will rescue us. He will rescue us and save us from tribulation. Today, as I close, I want to invite you to stand with us. I invite you to prepare your heart for us to step into a moment of communion and to worship. But I want to share one final thought with you. It's out of Luke 21, verse 28. It says this, when these things began to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That's good news, church. Jesus is coming back. We just need to stand firm and look up and say, Jesus, we're going to trust in you. We're not going to be afraid. You didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And we're going to put our trust in you. In fact, I want to share with you how it all ends. In the end, God wins and the devil loses. That's worth celebrating. But the only way we can be part of God's rapture is if we have a faith in Jesus Christ. And I wanna give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. In fact, at Westover we believe that saying yes to Jesus is as clear as ABC. A, admitting that we need Jesus because we truly do. B, believing in our heart that he died on the cross to pay for our sins and that on the third day he rose again to give us life, hope, Forgiveness, healing, and freedom, and His Holy Spirit. And third, that we would confess from our heart, with our mouth, out loud, that we want Him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. And today I wanna give you a private moment with God. So I wanna invite everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. I've sensed in my heart that there's some of you who are here today who don't know Jesus, but you know in your heart that you want to say yes to Him. This is your moment. In fact, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. You're not joining this church. In fact, what you're doing is you're just saying yes to Jesus. Here it is. One, two, three. Yes, yes, yes. God sees your hand up in the balcony. Yes, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. God sees you. Those of you who are raising your hands, I want to invite you to say this prayer from your heart out loud. In fact, all of us are going to say this prayer together. Say it with me. Say, Jesus... I need, you. I need you. I choose you today. Thank you, God, for going to the cross to pay for my sin, to pay for my sin. and to forgive me. forgive me. I choose your forgiveness today. I, to forgive today. I, also I also choose to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Lord and my life. Be, in of Be in charge of everything today and forever. Today and forever. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. If you just said that prayer for the first time, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Here are two things I'd love for you to do. First, I'd love for you to come to our Follow Jesus class. It's offered every Sunday. It's the opportunity to, to allow us to help you in your journey of faith and also invite you to sign up for water baptism so we can celebrate the new life that God has given to you today. But I also want to invite you right now to just go ahead and retrieve your communion elements. We're going to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. And my prayer for us today is that Jesus would show up and administer these elements to us. So I invite you to retrieve the wafer, but now let's pray. Jesus, we come to you in this moment. Thank you for loving us, Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for going to the cross. Remind us today in this moment of your extravagant love for us. May we wait with great expectation for your return. I pray, Lord, you bless these elements. Jesus, we invite you to have all authority over everything, every part of our life. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to move and to flow over us, to reassure us that we have confidence in you. Bless your people today in Jesus' name, amen. The word of God tells us that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered with his disciples for a final meal. And in that moment, he took bread. And he said, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. He says, as often as you gather and take it, do it and remember it to me. I invite you to break now and let's take in the name of Jesus. And after they had taken the bread, he took the cup. And he said to them, this cup represents my blood, which is shed for you. It is the new covenant, that if you believe in me as Lord and Savior, you will have eternal life with me forever. You'll have the forgiveness of sins. You'll have access to healing. You'll have access to the Holy Spirit. He said, as often as you take it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take together in the name of Jesus. And now as we step into this moment of worship, I just want to invite you to raise your hands. Let's create an atmosphere where Jesus is welcome. Jesus, I ask right now that you would make your presence evident to your people. Lord, for those who are struggling with fear, may they put their confidence in you. May you turn their fear into faith in you, that you are faithful to your word. I also ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our midst that you would move in this house that you'd move in hearts that you'd give them spiritual confidence to be about your business because the days are short let us be focused on accomplishing your mission help us follow you jesus and love people help us introduce people to you jesus empower us through your holy spirit to accomplish what you put before us in jesus name and everyone said amen I want to share with you that our altars are open, and I've just sensed for this specific moment that God's wanting to empower us with spiritual courage. If you want more spiritual courage, you may already have spiritual courage, but if you want more spiritual courage, I want to invite you to come up to the front, because I believe God's going to speak to you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you boldness, and this is the moment as we step into worship. Don't delay. Just come. Just come. Just come. God's going to meet with us, He's going to give us his Holy Spirit. Jesus, minister to your people today. Minister to your people today. I invite those of you who know how to pray in the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit for a moment. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move. Move in your people, God. Anoint these people with spiritual courage. Give them confidence in you. Give them a mission and a purpose. Speak clearly to them about what they're intended to accomplish in this season and in this moment. Lord, as we worship you, because you're worthy, you are holy, you deserve all of our praise, and we're going to lift it up to you. So now let's worship God. I invite you to raise your hands. Raise your hands, and let's worship the Lord together.